0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Dream World Podcast again. Peace and blessings to you all. Today's topic is very interesting. It's actually an excerpt from our Clubhouse discussion today. If you don't know about Clubhouse, you can message us on Instagram for an invite link. It's a great app for iPhones where, you know, we have these weekly discussions about different topics that we are interested in. Not only about dreams, but about astral projection and out-of-body experiences and just all the mysteries of the world. You can also find us on Instagram and we're also going to have these conversations on zoom for anybody to join in and give their opinion or ask questions it's really an open discussion where all theories and all thoughts are accepted and embraced so hopefully you guys can stay tuned and welcome to today's episode about where are the ancient gods today what happened to them do they still have power be sure to follow the dream world podcast It's hosted by myself and ashaba we do these groups every week so please follow us and check us out every episode um so it's an interesting topic because you know, so you have to first define what is a God as opposed to the one God, you know And you know, by definition, it's a being, usually non-material, which has supernatural powers that can direct reality and humans have a relationship with that with them. Um, so you can worship Zeus, Apollo, even Elvis. You can worship anything as your God. And is it real? Is it there? So, you know, proving the existence of gods is, you know, not always been an easy thing. Um, but, you know, here we're going to talk about what happens when people stop believing in them. You know, do they live on? Where are they? Where do they go? So just the idea that the concept of God is and gods are still in our language. And language defines reality, as a lot of philosophers will say. So these gods haven't really gone anywhere. They're not ceasing to exist because our language still names them. We still give them existence because we know about them. We learn about them in school, right? So just because it's named, does it have to exist? That's the next question. Um, well, I say I would say yes. You know, because we're living, it, they're living through our human consciousness. We're still thinking about them. We're still learning about them. They interact with the world through our stories. So that's something to think about. And, you know, they're still a part of our written culture in our living belief. So it brings us back to that question. Um, If language and culture creates our reality, you know, are they a part of our reality still? Um, You know, there's a lot of theories that we'll get into about, you know, what type of middle world they've gone into um, or where they could be or where they hang out. But, you know, it's also interesting to note that, you know, they can also change throughout time. Like, who was the example I was thinking of? I think it was, like, the Virgin Mary. Um, in Rome, they call her the Madonna of birth, um, and they have the marble statue of the, June, the goddess Juno um, with a Renaissance, Renaissance head of Mary replacing the old goddess's head. So, you know, these gods and their beliefs can change, and I feel like they adapt with our beliefs. To me, the best answer to where all these gods have gone um It's kind of like a middle world, you know, part of like the dream world, but maybe like a different plane um, where all of our creations and everything we can imagine and all these myths and characters and um, theorems and songs and magic, they've been created. And it's kind of like a computer file or like a library, you know, they stay in the universe somewhere um, in this cultural world or this imaginal world, right? Imaginal is not to say fake or imaginary, but more so like um, like an in-between, like a cosmic library that's dependent on human existence and our information. Um, some people call this extra dimensional world, um, glad shame. I think that they've given names to it. It's like an alternate earth with different rules where all the gods live. It's like a kingdom where they all stay at. Um, and it's just kind of like an interesting concept, um, because they still do draw power from us. Um, even though maybe most people don't believe in them anymore, especially in the West, they still draw powers from us in movies and books and comics. Um, so it's interesting that they do walk with us to this day. Um, and you know, it's even more interesting that in parts of the world, like the Caribbean or Eastern Asia or certain parts of the world where these practices are still common and people still actively believe in the gods or whatever creature, there's more sightings and more, um, events that you hear about. So it's almost like they go to where they are heard and worshipped.
1: Well, interesting. It's an interesting theory and concept. So we know that when we are talking of Asian gods, we are talking, uh, we're not only limited to the Greek mythology, you know, across the centuries, different tribes or different, you know, yeah, actually different tribes across the world. They all worship different deities and different gods and goddesses and all of that. So, we are talking about Asian gods. Yes, we are talking about the likes of Zeus and um, Poseidon. And uh, if you maybe go to the Egypt side, you know, the Egypt gods and all those gods, you know, people watched by a certain time. And I think for us to understand its real theory or to go deeper into it, we have to look at how did people treat them then, you know. So you know that, you know, you had the goddess of war, the, sorry, the gods of war the goddesses of love, and, you know, people believed that maybe one goddess was against the other, so you go into that world where there was once a time where people used to pray to these gods, and these gods used to serve them, you know, just like how we have ministers in parliament, you know, and they'll sit on these councils because, you know, this was a god maybe of war, this was a god of what you needed to sacrifice this to bring on the god of war, and people truly believed in them. So I believe in that time they were their highest, you know, greatest power. And then it reached a time where abandoned all of that and they decided we have to look at one God, you know. There is no need to look at all these gods. There is one supreme God, you know. So they forgot these other gods. And I believe they grew stronger from our worship, you know, the people's prayers being remembered. You know, all of that, you know, having faith, you know, would give them power. So that would mean that Right now where we are, where some people don't even believe in gods and all of that at all, I believe maybe they're really weak and out there. I don't know about the other kingdom. What what was it called, Amina?
0: Glad shame. It's an alternate earth with different rules, home to all earth gods.
1: I was going to say, you know, when you look at it, I feel like, explore this theory with me, guys. So I believe that, you know, they walk among us and they influence us in certain ways because some of the times, when you look at the movies and how they portray these goddesses, there has to be someone out there who's trying to tell us a story of how these goddesses used to appear or these gods used to appear, you know? And when you see it, like, in the movie form, you think, oh, this is just a movie, but sometimes there is too much there. It's like, you're always seeing it from the gods' view or the goddess's view and how they were seeing, you know, things. So I feel like they walk among us and, you know, some of them will try to maybe get more followers or get more, you know, worshippers, those who believe in them. Through even through these movies these days, when you watch a movie, you see a goddess you've never heard of, you know, and you're like, Oh wow, she must be great. I feel like even in that moment you're remembering her. So she's getting this power. So there are always these messages here and there I think they keep on sending and I still believe that there are people out there who believe in them. Honestly, I don't believe that the entire world, you know, stopped believing. There are people who still believe. If I look at the Egyptians, they're really still believing into, you know, or they still believe that their gods are there. And some of them still pray to them, you know. You find they have these statues of that represent different gods and goddesses. So I, I believe that they are still there because some people still remember them and they still pray to them. So that gives them their power and they're not forgotten, you know, and they're remembered. The more they remember, the more they become stronger. So some people do worship them. Other tribes have abandoned them. For me, I come from Africa, and I think in my mother's tribe, when I was growing up, I used to hear about these different, you know, gods. It's not only, it's very fascinating. It's not only in, you know, Greek mythology because... My mum was telling me that, you know, there was a god of like water, there was a god of um even they told them, you know, in school they teach this they teach us this, I think at primary level, social studies, that, you know, the war gods, you know, there is a god of water, we have a name here, I think it's called I, it's, you won't understand, but I think I would just say it, it's called Mokasa, which means god of water, and then there is the god of the hunt, like, when you're going out to hunt, there is a god that you summon to help you, you know, when you're going to hunt, so that you are successful, or that you're lucky, so it's like, people believed in this gods way before, and they used to summon them for different things, like, there was a god for everything, there was a god for love, there was a god for this, so, you know, if you have one thing that you're focusing on, that is the god that you summon, and that is the god that you know helps with your problem. So there was a time when people really believed and worshipped in them because they were spread across and they knew that the more love and the more adoration you give to your God, the stronger they will come in, you know, to help you, you know. So these are really fascinating theories from my point of view when you think about it. But yeah, so I do believe that they are remembered. Where well, we are now, they do walk among us, and they are remembered by some people, you know. But the rest of us focus on that one God. So, yeah. I mean, do you have anything to add?
0: I mean, I agree. Like you said, there are definitely people that still believe in them because, like, everybody in the world has their own beliefs, and and there's still, you know, people still have encounters, and you know, maybe even not on the ash, not on this plane, but, um, you know, my friend Martin from the from our WhatsApp group, he has multiple encounters with different gods in his dreams, and he's really connected with his past lives and his ancestors. So he encounters them all the time. And if he were here, he would say that they are still still with us. Like you say, they walk among us. They draw power from um, us, you know, tapping into them with movies and stories. And even though maybe it's sci-fi to us, like there's always a truth to sci-fi. Um, so I agree with what you said. Um, and I think even just us talking about them in this types of conversation, like, you know, they, they feel... Um, acknowledged. So a lot of times we assume that if a god is divine, then it's divine everywhere, and everyone would agree. But in the ancient world, it wasn't necessarily true. Their gods were often local to certain regions or tribes. So if you could worship a small number of you know local divinities, um and then maybe there was major divinities shared by a bigger region. So it was definitely um, by you know, by location. So it was relative. Um, And that's just interesting as well. And then welcome, Casey, to the stage. I I just added you to the stage. So um, we would love to hear from you if you have any thoughts on this topic.
2: Yeah, I I was actually thinking about this last night, um, more in kind of the comparison of different gods across different cultures, how um, there's a lot of similarities in terms of thought patterns of how people label different gods and stuff like that, and I know, you know, Joseph Campbell did a lot of work on on comparing mythology and stuff. Um, but it's like I feel like whenever we have a question that's not answered, especially in ancient times before people started to think about science, is the best way to understand something is to anthropomorphize it. So basically, put it in human form. So like uh, in ancient Greece. How do you understand the nature of the ocean and what it's like? And uh, you make it as a person and you make it temperamental because the ocean can be temperamental. It can go from, you know, completely calm and still one moment to being a thunderous storm. Um, so I always kind of think of it uh, in terms of like everything has a personality in this universe. And across different borders, uh, we somehow come to similar conclusions about the same thing. So I kind of am of the opinion that the concepts behind the gods, behind what we deem to be, you know, this personality or that personality, I think it's maybe their more true nature. Um, and the, the names and the different clothes and shapes and forms that we put on those concepts and ideas i think are more transient and can change with culture change with time change with um you know our own interaction with the world Um, so i always just kind of think of it as the step behind the concepts and that being their true form Uh, uh, another one like for an example could be In uh, India, they have Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. And, you know, Brahma being the creator, Vishnu being the sustainer, and Shiva being the destroyer. And they all have the personality of, you know, each of those things. Um, Yet in its essence, it literally is just, they're describing the functions of time, beginning, middle, and end. And their father, they say their father is time. The father is call and time. And so it's a human way for us to understand that everything in this universe has a beginning, middle, and end. And when we put the concepts behind it, it makes it more real to us. Um, So,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think it's it's always a way for us to just, like you said, define the universe we live in. But that kind of makes me question, Casey, what do you think? Like, if everything has a beginning, middle, and an end, Do these beings or deities, like, do they eventually die? Do they end? Do they live on immortally through different realms? Like, how does that work?
2: I believe it's actually more of a position uh, than anything else. Just like you can have a king, a ruler, and, um, you know, as one king goes, another king comes up. I believe that there's just um, certain positions that everything is transient and so, say like, you know, you're here in this physical universe, and you do a hell of a lot of good karma, and you just, you know, take the shit out of good karma. And so you're you get rewarded by maybe having a position where you are uh, like a ruler of a heaven, or you're a ruler of a certain stage for a certain period of time. And then when you paid off that good karma somebody else comes in and you get reincarnated you come back down you go and pay off some other karma somewhere else um, so I believe that you know everything kind of shifts and transitions um, Casey thanks for sharing uh, what, it was really profound and very insightful
1: and you know what I was going to say I was going to say that I believe that if our human know that we can create, you know, we have the ability to
0: create,
1: that there was a
0: time where we created
1: these different deities and whenever, you know, someone would talk about it, the other one would have a picture until this really became reality you know they started out as just an imagination but it finally became a deity that was you know supposed to be a god of water a god of this and they existed because the humans gave them power and the more you know we thought about them or the more we thought you know about them the more we created them and the more we said you know they do this this is what they do and that is what they did we're giving them life you know that is That is also another theory that I'm thinking of. And when we stopped, when we reached a time and we stopped thinking about them, then we were taking away their power, and they can only sustain through our memories of them and what they used to do and how strong they used to be. I think I really like uh, this TV series. I think, I don't know if any of you has watched it, American Gods, you know, where they had the new gods and the old gods. You know, these may look like just science fiction movies, but I do always believe that there is always insight, spiritual insight behind these movies. And if you really look, you find these clues that, you know, are giving you you know like an idea of what happened or what is happening you know because i do believe that among us you know you find that they pose themselves as humans as we are and you wouldn't know but they'll still try to make themselves be remembered because the more you remember them the more you give them life you know that is what i think and uh when i watched the american god and i was saying Odin, the god of war I couldn't help but realize the resemblance. Like, it was not only, you know, in these different cultures, but across the world, even in places. Because if you're looking at the world, it was more of like, you have different continents you have africa and you have america but if you look at these you know theories of gods or what you know we used to call gods or what we used to believe is that even across all these different nations we all had the same gods somehow so we still had some common gods you know along the way because you'd find someone has never even been to africa but when they reach africa they find that these africans were already having some gods they were worshiping and then you would go like in you know somewhere some other culture maybe the, nat- the native indians you find they also have certain gods for different things so that is really fascinating so which means that we could have created them through our thoughts that they really became life and when i saw american gods and i saw how they were talking about the you know the old gods and the new gods the new gods being the technology and all of that and i do believe that for me that there was a point whereby we had all these different gods, and then religion came along, and you know now we were focusing on one god at a time, you know, rather than spreading it all out. So if those gods existed, I believe that they would hold so much hate for this other god that came in, you know, and people are like now worshiping that person and forgetting the other gods. And you know, these are all theories, and that is why we're here to explore, you know, what happened to them.
2: Yeah, if I could um, follow up after that. Uh, It it begs the question, if we have power over the gods in some way, like that our belief in them is what creates or um, diminishes them, then who are we? And in in the Hindu uh, mythology, and they talk about like we have the different chakras in our own body. And each chakra is associated with a different god. So, like the bottom one is Ganesh, and then um, and then um, Vishnu, Brahma, Shiva, Shakti, and then at the top is our own self. So they're saying, in the end, your own highest self is above all of these lower deities, and that these lower deities are serving a purpose and a function to maintain these different universes but our own true nature is above all of that and so it's our only our our mind and our beliefs and our interactions in this universe that sustains them as well
1: oh oh my god Casey that is amazing like the way you explain that you know above all it's us you know which means we have power over these gods and these deities so that really makes sense and the way you explained it I mean, I feel like we should bring him on to our podcast, you know, <laughs> you know, yes. because the way he explained it is so amazing about the chakras and each being to, you know, related to another god. I mean, uh, running different universes. I think that is really... Could you talk more about that? It was really fascinating.
2: Uh, sure. I mean, uh, please don't give me credit for all this. I'm literally just stealing all this from Hinduism. So uh, it's really just Hinduism that... Uh, explains things in very, very great detail. Um, So, in kind of the story of creation, um, which there's a really interesting parallel between Hinduism and Christianity, In Hinduism in the oldest of their texts, it says, in the beginning was the Nod, and the Nod created God, and the Nod, and the Nod means sound, it's just, so the sound, in the beginning was the sound, and the sound created God, and the sound was God. And then in Christianity you have, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the question is, why, why are we saying there's something that's above God, something that is audible, something that you can say it's a sound or it's a word, it's something I can hear. And so they, they say in the meditational practices... If you move closer and closer to your own consciousness, you hear a sound. And all these religions try to mimic that sound through bells, through, you know, in Buddhism, they say the conch sound. Uh, They have a different representation of something that you can hear. In Greek, they call it the music of the spheres. In um, Islam, they call it the bhangi asthmani, the... uh, uh, music from the sky or something like that. So every religion has like their own version of the sound. Um, and so they say that the, our true highest self um, is connected all the way to the top and that the true God is actually our own highest self. It's the totality of our own consciousness. Because if, if you say there's something beyond time, something that exists beyond time and space. Say the three of us, we're all, we all have an individual soul and individual consciousness, individual experiences, and each of us are separated by time and space. We're born at different times. Uh, we're born in different places. And so it's only time and space that separates us. But what if you were to say, let's remove all the time and space between the three of us, what's left? You can't say that I'm different from you or different from anybody because there's no separation. So it's not saying that like me as Casey is the highest, you know, beyond. It's basically the totality of our own consciousness. So they describe like um, the spiritual journey as being like a drop in an ocean that forgot that it was a whole ocean. And it just thought it was one little drop. Then when it raised its awareness, Became aware that it was the whole ocean. I don't know if that clarified things or wow, or is that oh. just made it more
1: complicated. No, no, wow. Uh, honestly, I, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know, it's it's really amazing. It's not complete I, I believe, I, I may not speak for Amina, but I understand everything. Like everything you're saying makes so much sense. I don't feel like, you know, maybe I missed a beach somewhere, no. It is amazing because then when you get that theory of a drop in the ocean, then you realize you think you're one, you know, this thing that we keep saying, I, I, or something. I mean, some anyway, I won't go deeper into that but I feel like when you say that then when we understand that we are part of the entire consciousness not just one small drop of it, then we connect with it and we know how powerful we are and we know that, you know, we are gods, you know, and we create and we decide what is in, you know it's going to make us happy or not you know, above it all, we can create our own realities, but it takes time, it's like there is this journey that we always have to go through when we come here of trying to remember who we are and the final stage is us remembering that all along we were gods and i think usually that's what may happen when someone's dying you know i feel like when people say they see the light it's like then now you're connecting to you know to the entire source and the true consciousness and you're connecting to it when you're dying and in that moment realize all along that you are God but now you can't come back you know it's done it's done so you go but for some you know they're fortunate enough to remember that along the way And it's what my mom was telling me. She told me yesterday when I was asking about this topic and she said something along those lines of when you reach death, then you know the secret of the universe and everything and who we are. But then it's already too late because you've already left your body so you can't go back. But the difference between then and now is that now we have the ability to have things like out-of-body experiences where we get to induce them. So we get to connect to the true source and the higher source and all of that. So I do understand what you're saying about the drop in the ocean. I
2: think it's really an amazing theory. Yeah, there's also um, an interesting passage in the Hebrew Bible and the or the Torah and the Christian Bible. And different people have interpreted it in different ways. But there was one very famous rabbi who gave a talk on it. Um, and it's the passage where uh, Moses asked God, hey, can I see you? And God was like, no, you can't see me, but you can look at my back, um, or you can look at my shoulder. And if you look at somebody's back, you don't see their face, but you look from, from uh, behind them. You can see what they're seeing. So it was kind of like a physical way to describe, you know, you can't see God, but you can become God and see from God. You can see from God's perspective. You can see what God sees by standing behind Him, and so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing.
1: Thank you, thank you for um, that insight. And when you think about it, what would it be like to watch through the eyes of God? What would it feel like? It would feel like the whole world, you know, is at your feet. <laughs> Wow. The world will be actually at your feet when you see yourself through the eyes of God. So nothing will be impossible. You know you can achieve anything and trying to use this knowledge to our day to day life would show that you know you know that you can own anything you want to and you choose the life that you get to live. But we never realize this, unfortunately. But that is where we have such rooms, you know, talk about such things and explore all of that.
0: And it's interesting because there's still some sort of like hierarchy of like gods, right? So like, where does that put us?
1: You know what? You're right. Because when I, when you were saying that, I was thinking about it. I feel like even in the gods, you know, they have these different ranks. You know, the higher gods, the, these gods, those lower gods. But what Casey said. Earlier of us being above all of these other deities is like that is amazing like if we see ourselves in that way then we do know that we have the power over the gods you know that we have power over them
0: yeah and it makes sense if we give them power by believing in them then we are the ones creating them right in a way like or giving them power so it's interesting how powerful our minds are the thing that has um created their dormancy was the rise of Christianity which has shifted the thought process to this is one God and every other God is terrible as a demon or not existent or whatever right
1: because then it means that we no longer believe in them and if we no longer believe in them then we no longer remember them and if we are not remembering them then we are not consciously creating them you know so it means we're not creating them so they are not existing and that is why sometimes, you know, they would disappear. I believe that's what happens, actually, because they're forgotten. But it's, it's only, that is just one theory, because not everyone has forgotten about them. Like I said, there would be some other humans who still worship them through those simple acts of remembering, those simple acts of days. Like, I can't even believe, like, for example, the Indian gods, you know, they are still worshipped so much. The ancient gods they had way before, they're still worshipping those same gods They have not changed them. So that means that they do still believe in their ancient gods. So those gods are existing, you know?
0: Yes, for sure. And I know that there's a lot of neo-pagans that choose the olympian gods and and even roman and greek revivalists who claim to have returned to the worship of zeus and apollo and roman counterparts um those neo-pagans are involved in you know these revivalist activities and they reenact you know roman gods they cook from roman recipes and they give attention to these cultures and you know they keep in touch with each other throughout the world from the internet and Um, you know all that stuff and they even try to you know recover things from the undersea ruins of atlantis so there are there's a huge community of people that give attention to these things and these gods so i think they are very much still alive um among us you know and maybe they're hanging out with the people that believe in them
1: you know i believe that is true because if i look at the south americans you know how they remember some of their gods you know that that god of death you know who's during every celebration she's always remembered so you know that she's still existing because you know people still believe in her once in a while they come back to that but i also believe that maybe if we don't remember them and we stop i believe that there are gods that died that not all gods are there I believe the only ones that are still here are the ones that people still remember to some extent and still worship to some extent, if that makes sense, you know. I believe the others died out because no one was remembering them, you know. People forgot about them, so they have, they disappeared. And those ones that are existing currently are the ones that people remember to some extent. And through special days, through, you know, faiths and all of that, praying unto them and all of that, So I believe those, you know, still exist.
0: Yeah, Ashaba, I agree with you. And, like, you know what's crazy um, is, like, so when you say they died out, like, is it really, like, a death? Do they just go somewhere else? Like, because, you know, Casey was saying earlier, we really just kind of transition from one life or one existence to another. Like, are they, like, dead? Like, their consciousness doesn't exist anymore? Like, what do you mean by, like, they die out?
1: Probably they disappear. Like, how, you know, Tom Stark disappeared in
0: Aventure. (laughs) and
1: give
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, let me add Jennifer to the stage real quick. She has something to say. I love it. Um hi. Hey Jennifer.
3: Yeah, um, I was going to say that uh, even when they don't exist or we think they don't because they're not in our reality. I've had for example in dreams certain gods appear that that I didn't know were out there, and then I googled it, and turns out um, they were something like for example um, well to think of like ancient times uh depending on where I've had from ancient egypt um, thoth uh, nefertiti hermes Hermes well Greek and ancient Egypt, and then in uh, in in Hindu, in, in ancient India, I've had uh, Shiva and um, all of these without me knowing who they were. I even had a dream about Imhotep, which is supposedly Hermes, but it's like this whole woven thing that has come through me in dreams and has made me uh, investigate them when I was younger. And therefore, I formed a connection. So I feel like even though our conscious mind forgets, our unconscious mind has gone through way more. And there's so much that we don't know. So I'm always curious as to how they make, how it rises from, like, the depth of our soul knowledge or God knows where astral experiences. But um, I like it when that happens because I feel connected to something that uh is beyond my conscious awareness
0: yeah that's so interesting and I actually I I resonate with that so much because I've also dreamed of you know gods and deities and angels that I didn't know of and I'll google it and it's always trippy when you google something in a dream and it's a thing or it's real and you're like wow like I got this message from the universe you know or they visit you you know and encounters them And, and it's it's really interesting um And it's actually very common to dream with certain gods. I think they do visit us in our dreams. Um, The dream world is definitely a place, you know, even if they've died out or gotten weaker, they definitely, you know, want us to acknowledge them. And we still do in movies and shows and comics and stuff. So I think they're alive to some extent, even if it's in sci-fi or in our dreams. But I always, sometimes even on purpose, I'll summon gods or angels or whoever, you know, ancient gods, just to hear from them and give them um, acknowledgement. So I think that's powerful and yeah thanks for sharing.
1: Um Jennifer that was really amazing and I'm actually really happy that you know this club is as, is attracting such people you know have such experiences that is really profound you know being able to be visited by gods in your dreams and you know you know interacting with them I think that is really amazing. And I feel like those days when people believed in them, that they would come upon them or they would help them, they always came through, you know, for them and they helped them. And that is why you may even still have people who believe in them even to this day and age. But just because they're not in our side, eyesight, most of us, you know, don't even think about them. I don't, I've never been, you know, I've never worshipped any other gods apart from the one true God because that that is what I grew up, you know, worshiping and that is what I grew up knowing, you know. So that means there was a one god whereby everyone stopped all these other gods and they decided to focus on that one god to have all of that power. But I like what Casey said earlier. It was really amazing because he said that when you using the the chakra you know what did he say chakra roots chakra sh- the okay
0: um how
1: the they root call it? chakra yeah so the different chakras represented different deities or different gods but he said that at the top of it all it was us and that means us being greater than all the gods because we create them and we give them power so we are the top of it all and i think also in the grand scheme of things we When we realize that, when we come to that realization all along that we were God, you know, that is when we connect back and we awaken to our true God self, you
0: know. Today's episode is sponsored by Podcorn, which is an amazing marketplace connecting podcasters to sponsorship opportunities, such as ads, interviews, and discussions. I've been using Podcorn myself, and it's been really helpful in growing my podcast, finding new listeners, and getting sponsorships. Click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities.
3: Sorry, I was trying to take that in. <laughs> um, I wanted to say that um, there there have been so many connections inside of me with gods, I guess, through dreams and other experiences that um, I even even though I was raised Catholic, I was very scared of jesus because you know they tell you he's gonna punish you or whatever parents tell me if i misbehave and he was always on the cross bleeding and for me what that was never a nice image i was very scared of it so um when jesus began to enter my dream space like the image of jesus i had to i had to work with through it. Like it was really difficult. I did not want Jesus dreams (laughs) and um, it was so freaky. But um, what happened was I used my lucid dreams to, to, to overcome that. So um, I focused on like a meditating Jesus, more like a Buddha kind of energy. And eventually uh, that, that evolved. And whenever he would come into my dreams, or my waking reality sphere, I would not have that same reaction, but, um, yeah, the same feeling I get with Thoth, the, uh, um, Egyptian God. Uh, I was, I just felt strange about the bird head. It was never comfortable for me to look at the bird head or the bird eyes looking at me. So I had to work through that. And I still, actually that one I'm still working through because it's a little difficult, but I have accepted some of his teachings and, um, listen to him in my dreams. And I still get people coming up to me in my dreams and saying, you need to learn the teachings of Thoth. And uh, so that's kind of the journey I'm, I've been on for the past year. But yeah, I guess I'm open to the gods, but not in the worshiping way. It's kind of different. Like you said, it's more of an inner uh, exp- exploration.
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, you know you're right, and uh, it's it's really um, I always find it so fascinating, honestly, and. What you were saying about, you know, like uh, growing up Catholic and having that, you know, image and all of that, I understand that because what I noticed in the Christianity, the Christian region is that there is a lot of self-condemnation, you know. You're always seeing yourself as sinner, you're always seeing yourself as not worthy. And we all know that even in this world, when it comes to manifestation and all of that or creating, you have to believe that you're worthy of all those things that you want, you know. So by knowing that you are a God, you're worthy of all of that. So, But in Christianity, it creates that of, you know, you're always condemning yourself. You're always seeing yourself as a sinner. And it's like you're living in your own man-made prison because you're not free. You're not free to do anything that will make you happy. So you're always worried there is a God who's there out watching you, is going to punish you, and just sitting wait there, you know, to throw you into hell. So you always have that at the back of your mind, you know. But for me, I was never born a Christian. I converted at a later time. And when I was entering that Christianity, for me, I entered from the Jesus of love. You know, I went knowing that, you know, his love, that is what I went for. And I think when I had my heavenly realm experience, you know, when I had like, I think, either out of body and, you know, I was taken to the heavenly realm, you know the Jesus that I met was true to the picture that I knew because actually it wasn't true to the picture that I knew it was the opposite of the picture that I knew because the picture that I knew when I had Christians talking it was it was always judgmental, waiting to punish you for the bad things that you've done you know, waiting to throw you into hell just there judging you, constantly looking at you and monitoring all your thoughts, all your movements like as if he doesn't have enough things to do in heaven, you know Anyway, so, you know, you start feeling like I can't do anything because there is this person watching me, which last time makes me always think that does that even make me, you know, like I'm in a reality show if my every move is being watched, you know? So anyway, um, when I visited the heavenly realm and I met this Jesus, it was so different because the Jesus that I met was love. Like, love so pure. I can't even explain it. Like, I felt... No judgment at all, at all. Like, I felt like perfect in his eyes, tr- truly perfect in his eyes. And there was nothing like I could do that could make this guy or all entity that was in front of me want to punish me you know so it was pure bliss i was filled in ecstasy it was such an amazing feeling you know being there with the angels you know singing and all of that and then that is when i realized okay so the jesus you're going to receive is you know how you relate to him if you know the jesus of judgment this, this, that is the Jesus that you're going to be met with, but if you know him from the point of love, then you're going to be met by the point of love of the one who does not, you know, like uh, does not judge you, who is caring a father, a mother, all those things that you need, you know, and he's not judging you at any one point, then that is the Jesus that you're going to encounter, the one of love full of love, and then everything will be beautiful because you know in his eyes you're perfect and there is no mistake that you can make
3: so yeah, I don't know if that is, yeah. adding
1: anything.
3: Yeah, I was going to say the the last experience I had, because um, uh, I knew it wasn't going to stop. It was like very persistent dreams. I was in a highway with my husband in a car in my dream, and suddenly the dream just froze. And I was like, uh-oh, like I felt it. <laughs> and the headlights, there was Jesus with his open arms. And I'm like, okay, I, I need to face the sphere and transform it. So I got out of the car and I, I went over to him and I put my hands in his hands and immediately I felt like I couldn't, I was just focusing on that. But then he said to look down and I was on the cliff and he was off the cliff, like levitating. And at that point I just threw myself into his arms and we fell down the cliff but it was like a loving fall it was very like you said like um like I had released all the judgments all the I surrendered that's the word I totally surrendered to it and I ever ever since then I've had the complete opposite experience from the beginning and I felt like I really healed that like you know Jesus of shame and guilt
1: and you know the thing is that when you say that you know the Jesus of shame, it makes so much sense because I believe truly that Jesus in the Bible was bringing spirituality and love. But because humans are subject to error, even the guys who wrote the Bible, I don't believe they re- they recounted everything the way it was. I feel like somewhere, somewhere they added in their own biases. You know, you have. <laughs> You have some guys, like, I don't know, I think guy who was like so against women like you know women shouldn't do this you know and I was reading that part of the Bible and I'm like honestly this guy was just adding in his own biases you know to try and make a point you know so when you go back okay this is comic relief and I'm, I know you guys will relate to it so let us think you know this guy has gone and seen maybe like it's been like an apostle or something seated there seeing Jesus do some miracles and seeing all this cool stuff and he's like okay you know what, I'm going to write about it so it's like okay so everyone knows this guy is this you know the Messiah, you know everyone is going to believe him. So this guy starts writing is like okay so this is what what and then also then he starts writing things like Um, I think I should add this in, you know, my wife is so bitchy to me, you know, she never listens to me. But if I say, Jesus said that, then, you know, tomorrow when she reads this, she's going to be like, okay, that is true. And then this guy just adds in his things of, you know, women should never talk back to their husbands in the Bible. Women should never, he writes his entire scroll, you know. And one day, you know, all these scrolls are collected and the Bible is made. But these guys were telling stories with their own biases, because we, also, we always have that, that human bias when you're reporting a story, you add in your own emotions and feelings, you know? And I always say that these are these these were humans like us, you know, the apostles and all of that, so we can't see them as God. So we know that they are subject to error, and they're going to add in shit that, had, that wasn't even supposed to be there, you know? And then you're going to find people going with their every word and believing them. But I believe that in the Bible, when Jesus was there, he was actually fighting against that religion. Because if you're to look even in the Bible, the people who were against Jesus the most were the people of the church, the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees. These guys already had churches that were there, and the people who fought Jesus the most were these church elders. Isn't that weird? Because if he's Christian, you know, Jesus is Christ, the Son of God and all of that, and he's coming, you'd think that, you know, the Christians would welcome him. He's saying he's the Son of God. But no, they were against him the most, you know. And the people who welcomed him were actually these people weren't even, you know, very religious, Are the ones who listened to him. And I believe that Jesus was just bringing spirituality and just connecting people to our true higher selves and higher consciousness. But people twisted the teachings and they started, you know, adding in their own narratives to start, you know, to, to push that, you know, whatever they wanted to push. And then it reached a time and it is, it has cold on so much. And then people, you know, now, so it has a role of worshiping. But even the guy, you know, pushes pilot or something like that the guys of the church the catholic church i don't even know whether it was i, th- I think it was already existing actually roman you know Precious Pallet, the one who said that jesus should die was i think in norm and it was already existing religion was already existing even before christ you know and when he came he was fighting against it he was not aligning with it he was fighting against it and he was bringing us back to because he was saying you are created in the image of god that is what he's telling people so you are god you know and it's like i am christ who is in within you so each and every one of us is christ you know you can't be christ because that means that is this 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 are words that jesus was saying he was bringing us back to that one consciousness of you know the power is with you and you can connect directly to god you know to the higher consciousness to source and that is what he was bringing and He was fighting against religion, you know. He was just a spiritual guy telling you all the things about God, my Father in heaven. My, fa- I have everything I need. If you pray and you believe that you've gotten it, then you have it already. He wasn't saying if you pray and you look at me, then you get. He's like, if you pray and you believe that you have it, you, you yourself, then you have it already. So that is your power, and that is what he was bringing. And the, the, you know, the church at that time wasn't having any of that because now it was taking them away and really showing the world who they truly are, that, you know, they were with money and all of that. Or or they just wanted money out of it and control and politics and all of that. So I believe for me, Jesus didn't didn't bring religion, he brought spirituality. And how you approach him is up to you. But the Jesus that you perceive is a Jesus that you're going to Attract or get sorry. So, if you believe he's judging you at every step of the way and you made a sin so you deserve to be punished, then you're going to be punished because that is what you believe, so that is what you shall receive. But if you see him from the point of Jesus of love and you perceive him from that point of love, then it is love that you shall attract and you shall attract a Jesus that forgives, you know a Jesus that understands, a Jesus that is there for you when you need him and just supplying you with this much love and you are perfect in his eyes. So you will never feel any form of judgment. And people who perceive a Jesus like that, you know, are the ones who accept anyone or everyone for whoever they are. Because you know that you are coming from a place of true love and you don't need to be threatened by anything around you, you know.
4: So
0: yeah, I think that's amazing. I really resonate with that. I think everything you said was amazing because like um, It's it's important to realize that the bible was written 40 to 50 years after jesus died So like you said there was a lot of broken telephone going on You know, there was a lot of interpretations that were relative to that time period They weren't aware that they are gods that they are the creators of their reality You know what I mean? Like not as much as us. So it's interesting, you know, they tell us to fear god to fear, 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 but it's more of love and I think it is what you attract and I think that there's no judgment here because nobody's sin is greater than another but it's about love, not fear. Yeah, welcome Hyman. whatever you have to say, please join in. I know you just joined, but...
4: Uh, Thank you, Amina and uh, Shaba. Hello and Casey and Jennifer and Fadi. Good to see you all. Uh, Interesting conversation. I came in kind of halfway with that, but I tried recently we Ashaba, what she was talking about, um, how if you feel, um, Jesus is going to uh, treat you or how you feel that if you've done something wrong, you're going to be judged. That's what's going to happen to you. But if you still come from a place of love and kindness and compassion, I think, um, you're already setting up what is going to be your judgment. So, so I, I, I don't feel like I have to live uh, afraid of, uh, of a God and I don't think I have to be ashamed or anything that I'm doing because uh, supposedly we're here to learn to experience so we are spiritual beings having a human experience so therefore I don't believe we're going to be judged unless it's harmful that you we're harming other people we're harming ourselves and things like that I'm sure it's probably um, the loss of uh, judgment or you know you got to pay for the bad karma you got to pay for what you do but if you're constantly in a place of kindness and love and compassion, then you have nothing to worry about. So I was just loving everything you guys were talking about. So happy to be here. This is Jaime Landón speaking.
1: Thank you, Jaime. And you know what? Let me tell you, uh, even if, for example, if you to look at one of the greatest books ever written, maybe, No, okay, the spiritual books out there, the Bible, you know. And you're going to find a passage that says you are created in God's image, you know. So when it says that you're created in God's image, what does this mean? It means that all of us have the essence of God within us. So when I look at you, I see God. When you look at me, you look at God. When you understand it from that perspective, then it's ridiculous to hate your neighbor and you say you love God because your neighbor is God. We are created in the image of God. When we understand that, then you can't look at someone and hate them because they look a certain color or someone because maybe they are from a certain race. It doesn't make sense because if we are all created from the image of God, then in all this sense, we are all gods. And me loving my neighbor means that I'm loving myself, you know. That is what it, that's what it means, you know. It means that we are gods. And when you treat your neighbor right, you are treating yourself right, you know. When you love yourself enough, then you will love your neighbor. That is how it goes because we realize this. So when you go with that, you will not look at someone and hate them because of, you know, their beliefs or their belief systems. That is not going to happen because you're going to be coming from that point of, ye are gods or you are created in the image of God whether your nose is big or something, you are created in the image of God. So that means God looks like you. But if the same goes for your neighbor, that means also God looks like your neighbor. So if you hate your neighbor, you're hating your God. And so you start doing for others good things, You know, loving other people, not judging them, not you know, blaming them for different things and all of that. You know, of course, I feel like whenever you say that, I'm implied to say, how about if someone is treating me bad in those cases? I understand that. I'm just trying to say how it was meant to be, you know, how it was meant to be was for us to love each other, for us to help each other, because when you love yourself enough and it spills over onto your neighbor, the neighbor is going to love another person and it goes on and, you know, it's a chain and it brings back this beautiful, bountiful abundance that surrounds us and we're just in this amazing environment so for me when someone says they hate their neighbor because they're a different thing from them and then they say they love god i'm like that is ridiculous you are lying you can't say you love god but you hate someone just because they believe different from you then you aren't that is you know so yeah just wanted to add on that amen
4: yes thank you and i agree with you i i have read that passage in the bible that we are sons of god Therefore, you know, uh, like you say, what doesn't make us then? And my mom kept saying the same thing, too, to me when I was growing up. I said, you are the son of a God. So that makes you an an amazing person, an incredible person. And she used to tell me those kind of things, you know. So I would never put myself down for anything. Because according to to the scriptures, you know, and I always kept saying that, we have the God, the encoded DNA of a God, you know, encoded in us already. We just need to tap into it and allow it to wake up those dormant cells that we have from from when we were created. Um, you know, these are just thoughts that I have. I there's no uh, I don't uh, scientifically on 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 the stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I can only speak for my own experiences or what I feel. I feel that we have the, the DNA, the encoded um, um, DNA of a God, you know, and we're dormant and we, just got, we got to tap into it and allow it to uh, manifest. So um, and it's incredible. I mean, you know, so far, look at right now how we are connecting with each other. We are uh, uh, getting downloads. We're getting like what I call the Holy Ghost has been spread out all over the world, in in a sense, Um, according to the the scriptures, how it's it's played out. So right now we said we're getting downloads, we're getting uh, energetically, we're getting connected. But in Bible times, uh, it said that the Holy Ghost was going to be spirit all over the world and we're going to start, um, uh, having visions, having dreams and, um, be more, I guess more connected with God. So, and I feel it, you know, I feel it like that's happening right now. It's happening that, um, we are becoming more aware of who we are and our essence of who we are as human beings and as spiritual beings. So, um, it feels like finally it's becoming more revealed to us. I mean, it's been spoken before and things like that, but now we're feeling it, we're seeing it. And and that's a good way of uh, allowing our creator to be manifested and, and allow it to, um, all those um, gifts that are within us to be seen um, in this physical world. That's something that I always um, have felt, and first time I'm expressing it. So, but thank you, um, Ashaba, for um, making me think about this and allow it to express it. So Jaime, this is Jaime. I'm done speaking.
0: Thanks, Jaime. That's that's beautiful and it's so powerful. And and I mean, you're so right. You know, like it's the great awakening that's why they call it the great awakening because we're all realizing where we come from and what we're here for um and and just the truth behind everything and we're creating our own interpretations of everything like you know the, that's why the universe gives us all these stories and downloads so we can understand how we want to understand it um and yeah it's truly amazing it, i love this group because it's something so new to, not new to me but you know we've never had a topic like this where we can just comfortably talk about gods and religions and what happened to them and all this. So,
3: I wanted to add that, um, speaking of the power we give to gods, um, that there are certain symbols that have a lot of power already because of the collective that has empowered it. So uh, I feel like sometimes when you tune into a certain um, deity or or even a power symbol or a place I feel like that ha- that it holds that power it has its own little vortex because of all of the people that have um, put their focus and belief into it and therefore it already is empowered on its own I guess it comes alive in that way so it's not just like the individual but the collective experience of a God or uh, or other.
1: I uh, thank you uh you know Jennifer for your insights and you know I also been thinking about something like most of these gods were very unruly and you know some of them would come like in human form so I do believe that maybe some of them have like you know half half children children out there were half god half humans so where are those you know are those existing for example there if you go into the greek mythology was it is it Hercules, the one who's half?
0: There's a few. Half. Yeah, there's a lot actually. Yeah, because they, yes. you know, these no. gods—they were horny. They—they they were having sex with humans. That's for sure, <laughs> from the stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I really think um,
2: the Japanese way of defining God in the traditional Shinto religion is really interesting. Um, so the word that they use for God is kami. Um, And it doesn't quite translate well to God in the English language because it just more means, like, extraordinary, like, spectacular, um, something that is, like, truly marvelous. So say, for example, you're in a forest and there's one particular tree that's just really old and just really beautiful. They're going to say, oh, well, that tree is a commie. That tree is a, a God tree or if there's a person who's really extraordinary, right, who just, like, you know, say, like, Elon Musk, because he's, you know, just so smart and so blah, 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 they might say he's an Akami. So it's not always, like, this sense of divinity um, in, like, a hierarchical fashion. It's more like a sense of divinity of, like, what is truly beautiful within this universe. And so they, they have... There's akamis that are physical in this realm, but then there's also the akami that are, you know, in different heavenly realms, and they still have their creation myth. They still have, like, kind of like how all creation myths start with some sort of void or some sort of, you know, something prior to space existing. They still have all that, but um, just a more colloquial definition of God for them is, I find very fascinating. This is Casey, and I'm done.
0: Thanks. And real quick, uh, Jennifer, before you go, we're going to be doing... um a zoom on sunday um we wanted to do it on zoom because you know there's a lot of people that have android or can't get on clubhouse so we're going to do a lot of these topics on zoom once a week maybe um so we're going to do our first one on lucid dream and manifestation which we did on clubhouse but um it's going to be great you know there's going to be a lot more people joining i think we're just trying to take it to the next level and share these thoughts with the world so um if you guys want to register there's a link in my instagram bio um so check that out and hopefully you guys can keep joining in
4: There is a technique that I just learned about a week ago. Um, I'm taking a class with Charlie Morley from Valley Academy. And he talks about integrating um, whatever you believe in, you know, any faith you have. Let's say Buddha or Jesus, whatever it is that you believe in, try to integrate it within you, which is the characteristics, like the kindness, the love, and the compassion. Those are my three favorite ones, of course. But, you know, um, so when you, when you, before you go to sleep, um, set the intention that you want to integrate yourself with that deity or whatever you believe in and, um, and then, um, write it down or make a sketch or something uh, uh, that helps or have a picture of it uh, under your pillow or look at it and then put under your pillow. And then, um, just imagine that image right in front of you and let that be your last thought before going to sleep so I, I have done that before and this is what happened to me i was thinking of buddha you know and and imagine that image right in front of me as i felt asleep i do i start dozing and feeling like asleep and not sleep in the hypnagogic state and suddenly right um when when i gain awareness I was out of my body and then right in front of me it was there's this big buddha uh, illuminating right there and there and i remember like my astral body getting incorporated integrating with that buddha and then i felt like i was buddha so the, what, it was so powerful the energy that i was receiving from that experience and then after I wake up, I was still like vibrating from the, ex, from the um, integration with the Buddha. And since then, I have been feeling actually more calm, more relaxed. Um, I feel like my mind is more clear. And, and I just had no worries. Just, just me. It's just me, you know, nothing else. Just me and entangled um, with everything and everyone. You know, so I encourage you to try that. It's uh, it's called integrating yourself with you, um, what you believe in, the, the embodiment of something that a character that you want to incorporate in your life, that can help you um, 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 improve yourself. Let's say, let's say if you get um, doubts or angry or uh, lack of faith or something. You can call on anything, it doesn't have to be at the AT. It can, have, it can be a character of a person that you like to have this embodiment with. Like someone mentioned Elon Musk, you know, that guy is smart, that guy is intelligent. So you can also embody that kind of mentality, that kind of uh, character, characteristic that you like to have in, or be more brave, uh, perhaps a sumo wrestler or someone strong that you want to become so that's um it's called integration of character in the lucid dream so i encourage you if you want to try it it's really fun and it works so so that's what something i learned um last couple of weeks so this is jaime and i'm speaking
0: thanks jaime i i think that's awesome and like to add to that like i i totally agree with what you're saying um I sometimes, you know, incubate the idea, and also sometimes when I'm lucid, I'll try to summon a god, I was just saying this a second ago, um, you know, I'll summon gods or angels or, you know, any deities that are greater than me or supposedly greater than me, right, um, and, you know, just try to get insight from them and talk to them and, and hear about them, give them acknowledgement, I feel like that gives them power and keeps them alive, so um, it, it's totally powerful, and that's one of the beautiful things about dreams, and it all it all ties back into the dream world and why it's so powerful, so yeah, I agree, and thanks for sharing.
4: You're welcome.
2: I wanted to say about how, you know, you guys were talking before about how, like, seeing a a god or a, or a deity in a dream that you, like, have recognized, um, and then you, like, wake up and Google it and find it, um, the fact that you can't find it on Google I think is really interesting because that implies that Um, it's still a belief in this universe Um, but then it begs the question if gods exist in different levels of consciousness would this be a dream of a higher level of consciousness and and the the deities and beliefs that we're interacting with um, just be merely a local thing um, for that level so for example uh, in Indian going to me going back to you know Indian mythology again they say everything is maya meaning not quite meaning illusion because illusion means it's not real but maya still means it's real it just means that the objects of the experience aren't real so for example if you dream of drinking a glass of water when you wake up you found there was the glass of water didn't exist it wasn't a physical object but you can't say you didn't experience drinking water, you still tasted it, you still felt if it was hot or cold, you still had the sensation of it you can't say it was completely unreal, it's just the object of it so at what level is things existing and is at what level is it an illusion so not really a statement but just kind of food for thought that Things to think about. This is
0: Casey, done. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, that's true. And you know, like it makes me think that like the term "real" is just so relative because everything is real and nothing is real at the same time. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're completely right. Um, it, it's real to us if we give it power. Um, And that's just such an interesting concept So um, it's just crazy interesting Um, But anyway, I hope you guys can follow our club on Clubhouse The Dream World is what we're calling it We also have a podcast and an Instagram So, you know, basically it's just um, an open conversation We just love having these crazy conversations about different things So hopefully you guys can just keep tuning in every week Um, And yeah, it was great to have you guys
4: Yes, thank you Casey for your kind words That's very nice of you and I, like, I enjoy listening to you, too, by the way. You have some great insights, so keep keep, um, keep at it because it's great. It's great to listen to people and different perspectives. And we all learn from each other, you know, because we all have our own experiences. They're they unique to us. And even if some people don't believe in it, it's okay. You know, it's your own experience and you honor that. You, you cultivate your own growing, your own... Um, learning experiences so that is for you to spiritually mature and things like that so honor your own self and your own experiences that's all I can say it's talking speaking.
0: so if you like this episode and you want to learn more about dreaming follow and subscribe and check us out on our next episode and if you have any specific questions or things you want to learn about just send a message or leave a review or even if you have any crazy dream experiences that you want to share with me come on the show and tell us all about it because I want to know everything. I want to explore the universe and get to know the dream world. So check out the dream world podcast next time on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever you use. And also check us out on Feedspot blog. We were ranked number seven on the top 15 lucid dreaming podcasts you must follow in 2021. So check it out. The link is in description below. So thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time. Peace and blessings.